It is such a joy to be with you as we initiate our first session, How to Be the Real You. I believe that this series, honestly, is going to be life-changing in a way that perhaps virtually nothing else can be, in that so many people in the body of Christ have, honestly, they've entered into uh, a place of disillusionment. They've entered into a place of coping rather than being free in the context of how God made them to be. And I don't know where you find yourself today, but I'll be honest with you, you are most dangerous to the enemy when you are the real you. What, what do I mean by that expression? Well, the real you, according to the Bible, is really the, the, the image of Jesus, being a child of God, being free. The Bible says in Romans chapter 14, verse 17, that the kingdom of God is righteousness, it is peace, and it's joy in the Holy Spirit. If I asked you right now, I, I said, just to what degree do, do you believe that, you, that, you know, what is your joy level right now on a scale of one to 10? I, I know we just initiated this session, but I, I just want you to think to yourself right now on a scale of one to 10, 10 being the highest, what's your joy level right now? Uh, what is really your level of just being free? And in the sense of knowing that, you know what, as Psalm 91 says, no harm will befall the, the you know, the righteous. You, you know, just knowing that your destiny is going to be fulfilled. I mean, just being excited about today and tomorrow and just knowing, you know what, you're not a target for the enemy, but he's a target for you. So I just want to, again, scale 1 to 10, what is your joy level right now? And a scale of 1 to 10, what is your uh, level of excitement re regarding your destiny being fulfilled? Now, I'll be honest with you. I don't, I don't know what you have in your mind's eye regarding uh, those two variables on a scale of 1 to 10, but I, I do this a lot. And, and, you know, the average Christian, I'll be honest with you, in the context of the joy level, it is a between a 5 and maybe a little over a 5. Some people are under five. Some people, man, they're jumping at an eight or a nine. You know what I'm saying? And in the context of just being excited, man, to wake up and just knowing that, you know, destiny, man, is in motion. And wow, I mean, the desires of your heart or you just know are in manifestation. I'll be honest with you, that is about a five, a little bit lower. It's almost commensurate with the joy level because there are definitely a correlative to a definite degree. But I tell you, that's where most of the body of Christ is. And I'm going to be honest with you. God says the joy of the Lord is your strength. So, man, he wants you up at a 9 and 10. He wants me at a 9 and a 10. And in the context of being excited, uh, in the context of knowing that, man, today, that you're on the road to destiny being fulfilled. I, I tell you, he wants, it says without a vision you perish. A progressive vision, knowing that what you're made for, what you're called to be and called to do is in motion under fulfillment. And, and because of a variety of things, and we're going to look at these uh, variety of things in the context of battle, uh, more specific in, in our next session. But in general, I'll be honest with you, because of things that have happened, uh, maybe you've messed up and I've messed up and or, or something hasn't gone your way that really hasn't been your fault at all. I, I mean, I was uh, 
with somebody that uh, they're a doctor and man, uh, you know, they had a uh, secretary that stole almost a million dollars from them. I mean, he's a Christian. She was a, a Christian, supposed to be a Christian. And uh, over a period of time, I believe about 15 years, she was an older lady and he's like, man, and then something else happened. And he, and he called me up and he said, you know, I, I'm not, I don't even feel like I can go, go on. He said, I've invested so much money into this practice. I just started to get going. And man, I find that I got all these things coming against me. Uh, you know, something with taxes. Uh, I just lost a million dollars here, on and on. And maybe you didn't lose a million dollars, but I'll tell you what, you might be in a place like this doctor was. He said, I, don't, I just, I feel like the strength it's just not there prior to this happening. Maybe you've had a bad experience. There's been loss in some way. But I'm here to tell you something. God is going to redefine your identity through this series. I know that's a large statement, but I'm going to tell you something. He's going to bring back the fire. Glory to God in the context of a vision of destiny, of your identity. He's going to accentuate your strengths. He's he really, and glory to God, he's going to really bring up where there's weaknesses. He's just going to do a whole lot of things, glory to God. But, but again, this is such a key point. And, and if you're somebody, you're saying, you know, I'm doing well. Well, I'll tell you, after you listen to this series, you're going to be doing better. Praise God. Amen. You're going to be doing better. But it is imperative that you understand who the real you is and you enter into a place where that real you is viable. Because you see, if you're, if you got a mask on and you're being somebody else just to get by, if you're somebody that is saying, you know what, I, I, I know that I'm made for more and it just doesn't seem to be happening. I, I don't see a way that I can enter in to making it happen. Well, you're not going to be fully free. Uh, whether it's a familiar sin, whether it's something, a, a hurt that you've never gotten over, whether it's unforgiveness, what, you know, whether it's just saying, you know what, I tried and, and I, I didn't enter into success. And, and you know, and it just seems like, man, I, I, it just took so much out of me. And, and so I'm not going to try again. I, I hear this a lot. I'm not going to make myself vulnerable again. So I, I'm going to be okay. And okay is okay. You know, but, and good is good, but the greatest enemy of best is good. Because when it's good, it's like, it is okay. But God wants you to enter in the best. And to enter in to best, you have to be the real you. The desires on the inside of you that I believe have been placed there from birth, glory to God, in the context of giftings and callings. I tell you, it has to be viable. You have to walk in a degree of viability that really can cause you to say, you know what, the real me. I mean, that which really makes me tick, that which excites me, that which I'm made for. Glory to God. I, 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 hallelujah. I'm on my way and I'm expecting Experiencing the reality of that. So no matter how old you are, I, I tell you what, th this is for anyone and, and, and everyone. You know, God wants you to enter in the making yourself vulnerable to the desires intrinsic to your spirit, uh, intrinsic to your heart that he's placed there. And, and if you said, you know what, man, I, I've had such strong desires, but they don't seem like they've come to pass. And, you know, I'm I just so tired of making myself vulnerable. God is going to rekindle 
afresh in you, a, a sense of, uh, honestly, uh, uh, the viability of purpose. He's going to rekindle desires and he's going to cause you to enter into expectation, perhaps for that which is impossible in the natural. But glory to God, it is very, very possible. Uh, amen. Not just possible, but plausible. Glory to God through the miraculous power of the living God, even your Abba Father. All right. Now that was a lot by way of introduction. But I, I, I'll be honest with you. You know, I, I've, been, I've been in ministry, I, I've been in, uh, in ministry for decades. I, and I, I'll be honest with you, uh, one of the graces that God's given me is to identify giftings and callings, identify vision, and, and go and help people enter in to the fulfillment uh, of those giftings, those callings, uh, you know, the desires of the heart. And I'm here to tell you t today that it, I believe it's God's greatest a desire for you to be enter into the viability to the reality of who you really are. Glory to God. All right. Amen. There's so much there, but it's so important because I tell you, God does not want you to be fearful of being hurt, being harmed. And if there has been harm, he wants you to be free from any ramifications from the harm. And he wants you to be free in the context of knowing that, that, that harm will not come back again in Jesus' name. All right. Now, again, there's a lot there by way of introduction. Now, you've noticed I must have said at least six or seven times in that short introduction, the real you, uh, the real identity. So we're going to look at uh, a, a few scripture verses, and then we're going to enter into defining the real you uh, scripturally in the context of identity. All right. In Romans chapter 12, verse 2, the Bible says this, Romans chapter 12, verse 2, Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you might prove what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God, the 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold uh, uh, will of God, good, the better, and the best. Amen. But notice that there is a caution intrinsic to this scripture verse. It says, Do not be conformed to the image of this world. How many even know that the enemy has an image that he wants you to enter into? God has an image that he has created you in. Glory to God through the reality of the new birth. Praise God. And there is a battle. I tell you, God, it means everything to him for you to be conformed to the image of his son. Wow, what a vision, huh? I mean, the Bible says in Romans uh, 8.29 that God has given you a destiny to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. I mean, it is an amazing verse. I, I tell you, it is a, 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 oh my, it is just simply nothing short of amazing. Glory to God. So we, we need to understand that there's a battle. In the context of image. So the enemy is going to do everything he can. To, the, in the context of giving you an image of wrong identity. God wants you to enter into an image of right identity. And the Bible says as a man thinks in his heart. As a woman thinks in her heart. So he or she will be. So it is imperative. Again it says do not be conformed to the image of this world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So 
The image has to be in your mind. When you think of yourself, when you think of success or failure, when you think of entering into an amazing destiny, I mean, what comes to your mind? What image do you have of yourself? Well, I'll tell you, it's critical because the mind has a major part to, to play in the reality of entering into the image, the identity that Jesus has ordained for you, even through the blood of his son. All right, go with me to Galatians 4.1. I'll tell you, there's so much here. And, uh, oh man, glory to God. Galatians chapter 4, verse 1, the Bible says this. Now I say that the heir, as long he, as he is a child, differeth nothing from a servant, although he be Lord of all, but is under tutors and governors until the time appointed by the Father. Even so, when we were children, we're in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his son made of a woman made under the law to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sonships. All right. There, there, there's so much there. But what this is saying is quite obvious. It's giving the analogy. Back then there were, were kings. There weren't so much presidents or governors. There, there were kings. And it's saying that as long as the child of the king. You have a son that's going to inherit his father's throne. In essence, man, he's the son of the king. Wow. He's really a joint heir with the king because the throne is actually his and he will enter in, amen, to be king. But if this young boy never entered in, to the reality of who he was, it would profit him nothing. You see, what if somehow, you know, that he would be kidnapped, uh, maybe as a, as a little boy, uh, God forbid, but let's say he's five years old and he really doesn't understand much, he's kidnapped. And, and he is put into a place where he has no idea that, that of who he really is. Well, he would not inherit the throne because he would have his identity stolen. I'm here to tell you something. The devil is an identity thief. He's here to, to, to steal your identity. And as long as you, you're a Christian perhaps, but, but if you don't enter into the word of God, if you don't find out who you really are, even though you know, you're a child of the king, you'll, you'll differ, no, you'll not be any different than a slave. Wow. And I see so many Christians. I mean, they've accepted Christ. They love God. But man, they are struggling, to be honest with you. I, I, I mean, they're really, they're struggling with familiar sin. I, I mean, their, their children are struggling. I, I mean, they're having a hard time in almost every area of life. And to be quite honest with you, it's hard to differentiate between them and somebody that's unsaved. It's not to be that way. These verses are very sobering in one way, but yet they're there to cause us to enter in to really fighting for identity and understanding that we have to enter in to our identity. Even though you have an identity, if you don't enter into the identity that's been given to you, it will profit you nothing. You know, you can have $100,000 in your bank account, 
But if somehow you do not know how to access the money intrinsic to the account, it will profit you nothing. Uh, the great healing evangelist of decades ago, uh, Catherine Coleman, he used to always share a story in this context, and it was a true story. There was, there was a man that died of exposure. He lived in a, almost a shack-like dwelling, and uh, <clears throat> there was very little heat. He didn't have money even to pay uh, the money for uh, heat, and he died of exposure. They found out when they, were, when they examined his uh, dwelling uh, that in his mattress, there was over $50,000. Evidently, <clears throat> someone gave him that mattress, not, not knowing that someone else prior had put that money in the mattress. So he's sleeping on $50,000, but because he was not aware of it, it profited him nothing. In this series, in this session, we want you to see, God wants you to see. He wants to make you aware of your true identity. Glory to God in Jesus Christ. All right. Well, we've shared this verse uh, already once, but I want to share it again. Proverbs chapter 23, verse 7 says, As a person thinks, as an individual thinks in their heart, so they'll be. If you think that you're unworthy, and you're just you're meant to struggle in this life, almost living in a purgatory type uh, existence until you get to heaven. I'm gonna be honest with you. You're going to struggle, and you're going to be a target for the enemy. As someone who uh, really exact opposite really knows who they are in Christ, or they're made to to live and in, in blessing, abundant life, and reign in this life. I tell you, it, you know, both have the same exact inheritance. God is no respecter of persons. For example, the Bible says he has given every man and woman who's, uh, who has been born again the same exact measure of faith, the same exact measure of love, the same exact measure of destiny in the context of his desire for, for every individual in the body of Christ to be conformed to the image of Jesus. Romans 12.3 shares that. Romans 5.5 5 shares that. Romans 8.29 shares it. Glory to God. All right. Now, when we talk about identity, glory to God, we need to understand that our identity is revealed in the Bible, the Word of God. You, you know, God wants you to see that the Bible is not a rule book to condemn you. I, I was ministering to a man. He is actually... Uh, he taught Bible at a well-known Christian college. And as we were uh, sharing uh, regarding the Word of God, he says, you know, I teach the Bible, you know, to uh, hundreds of students, but he said, I, I really don't like reading the Bible. And I thought, man, <laughs> I feel bad for your students. But then I said, well, why is that? He said, well, I feel like it's a rule book to condemn me. I, I said, with all due respect, it's not a rule book to condemn you. Man, it is... It's the heart of God to you. <clears throat> the Bible is the revelation of who God is and who God is to you and how you enter into relationship with him. The Bible is the revelation of who you are and who you are to God. And you see, when you approach the Bible, amen, from, from that perspective, it makes all the difference. No, it's not a rule book to condemn you. Certainly, there are ordinances and statutes intrinsic to the Bible that teach you what's right and wrong. I mean, the Ten Commandments are not the Ten Suggestions. But the Bible, it really, it's, it's, a, it's a book of intimacy. It is God Almighty in written form. You know, if Jesus would appear to you right now, 
he wouldn't say anything different to you than what he's already spoken through the written word in, in, in the Bible. Glory to God. You, you know, if, if somehow you turned on the TV and, and, and there was, I mean, just all over the television, all over the media, whether it's television, radio, internet, I mean, Facebook, no, no matter what it was. And, and they said that we just, we saw in the sky, the, the, the create, in the sky said, I am going to give you a book that tell you who you are, who you are to me and how you can enter into destiny. And I'm going to, from the sky, I'm going to just rain down millions of these books so you can enter into the truth of who you really are. Oh, man. And then it's signed, the creator of the universe. And it says, I'm going to, I'm going to do this tomorrow at 5 o'clock. I mean, everybody would be excited. That's, it would be the talk of the day, amen? I mean, you, you'd, you'd be so excited, you, you'd be sleeping out. You'd be ready for the book. You'd be ready for the answers of life, of who you are, why you're here, what can you do, what you're made to do. My friend, glory to Jesus. God has already done what we just said. He's given you the book of life. It's the book of eternal life. It cannot be underestimated. It cannot be minimized. Its significance cannot in any way, shape, or form be minimized. We see this in the Word of God itself in 2 Timothy 3, uh, 16, in, uh, in 2 uh, uh, Peter chapter 1, in, in, in verses 23, 24, and 25. We, we see... <clears throat> The word of God being magnified. God says, I magnify my word above my name in the Psalms. So, again, you need to approach the word of God from that perspective, all right? Jesus said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life. He, he is the way, amen, unto salvation. He is the truth, glory to God. And the truth will set you free. And it will cause you to enter into the abundant life that John 10.10 10 talks about. The Bible says in the book of James that the Bible is a mirror that you can look into, hallelujah, to see who you really are in Christ. Glory to God. Now, I, 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 I know that some of you are listening right now and say, you know, I know that. I know that. But you know what? I'm going to be so bold, amen, to say you don't know it. I, I, I think until you are entering in they're doing the works that Jesus did because part of your identity, according to John 14, 12, is actually doing the works that Jesus did and entering in to an amazing intimacy with the Father. I, I, I tell you, all of us, man, we're under construction. Jesus is the author and the perfecter of our faith. We are growing in our, the vision of who we are. We're growing in the revelation of our true identity in Christ. We're entering in. Uh, you might say, yeah, I know some verses of who I am in Christ. But I tell you, this session right now and, and this series to bring you in, honestly, to mm, Jesus, <clears throat> to a higher degree of what you know. And I'll be honest, if you think you know everything, I'll tell you, you don't know much. Growth is realized in those who enter in from faith to faith and glory to glory. Man, when you enter in to a baseline 
of experiential glory in the context of the revelation of his word, in the context of his presence, in the context of doing the works of God, there is always a higher place to go. That's why Paul said, man, forgetting what is behind, I press on, man, towards the, the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Can I tell you something? There are 30-fold praises, 60-fold praises, and 100-fold praises. According to Psalm 149, 6 and 7. I mean, according to Romans 12, 2, you know, the scripture that we started out with. God wants you to enter in. To say, you know what, Lord, I, I do believe. Thank, Lord, I thank you for the revelation I have of who I am. But I know, even as you're infinite, Man, the scriptures I know, Lord, they're so deep, they're so wide. Oh, man, they're, they're so high. Cause me to enter in right now to the fullness of who I am, even through the truth of the blood that was shed on my behalf. All right? So I, I, I've got it, man. So we're going to go higher. Amen? And if you feel like you're in a low place, or if you've never entered in really to pursuing God in this way, in the context of reading the word of God, and to finding out your, your true identity, I, I tell you, oh man, I, I tell you, you're in the right place. There's nothing like it in the whole world. Glory to God. All right. So let, let's enter in uh, from the beginning. Amen. The Bible says in John, uh, in Genesis chapter one, that God said to God, you know, Psalm 110, the Bible says, my God said unto my God. The Bible says, Trinity, God says, let us make man in our very image. Woo, hallelujah. Glory to God. Let us make man in our image. Isn't that amazing? See, we need to start from the beginning. Adam and Eve were made in the image of God. I tell you, there's nothing like it. Let, let, let's just read that. I, I know sometimes, I, I'll be very honest with you, glory to God. I, I wasn't, I, I, know, I was just going to assume that, you know, we know these verses, but I, I feel like the Lord's saying, just read it, praise God. Amen? J just read it. Glory to God. I, I tell you, there's nothing better. There is nothing better. Oh, glory to God. Woo, hallelujah. So, Bible says in Genesis chapter 1, Verses verse 26, and God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over all things. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. In him, male and female created he them. In Genesis chapter 2, glory to God, verse 7, the Bible says uh, that he did this by literally creating the body of Adam and Eve. I, I, he created the, the body of Adam from the dust of the earth. But here's what's exciting. The image of God was literally breathed into man. So, so man and woman, man is not just a being of creation. He is a being of impartation. Jesus Christ literally breathed a, a, a degree of his very own glory and image into man. Adam and Eve, according to Genesis 1.26, were both created in the image of God. Wow. See, I, I think we can read something and not read it. I mean, when you understand that Adam and Eve 
I mean, they became spirit beings because God is a spirit. John 4, 23. And so God Almighty literally imparted a degree of his very own image into Adam and Eve. So they were, they were living spirits, living beings. And here's an, here's an amazing verse to me. In Genesis chapter 5, after uh, Seth was born, amen, and uh, you know, Abel had been slain by Cain, and now here's an amazing verse. The, the Bible says this. Oh, man. Ooh, I, I, I love it. In verse Genesis 5, 3, and Adam lived 130 years and he, he begat a son in his own, now listen to this. He begat a son in his own likeness after his image and he called his name Seth. And see, here's the amazing thing. Even as Seth was made in the image and likeness of Adam, the Bible says that Adam was made in the image and likeness of God. When you see, when you thought of Seth, you thought of Adam. You, you thought of Eve. Man, when you think of, ooh, hallelujah. Man, when you think of Adam, Luke 3:38, when it gives a genealogy, it says Adam, the son of God. Man, just like, like it says, you know, that David was the son of Jesse. It says Adam, the son of God. I mean, you talk about an identity. You were created, I mean, Adam was created the image of God. He was created the image of God. Now, here's what's amazing. We know that that image was discarded, disesteemed, shamefully thrown away in exchange for soul life, for sin. I tell you, it's, it's disgusting to think of. I mean, Adam and Eve, they, they threw away their birthright. And, and Adam and Eve obviously were real people, but they represented you and I according to the scriptures. There's not a, you, a person alive that has lived, is living or ever will live that wouldn't have done the same thing. And the Bible says, and there's an amazing verse in John 20, 22, that after Jesus shed his blood, after he paid the price for sin, according to Romans 8, Three, four and five, he became the sin offering. He did something amazing. I tell you, two of the most revelatory scriptures in all the word of God are Genesis 2-7 and John 20, 22. In Genesis 2-7, God himself breathed in to Adam, imparting the very image of his being to Adam, making him literally a child of the most high God. And the first thing Jesus does after he resurrects, he goes to the apostles. Glory to Jesus. And the Bible says this. It's just, oh, glory to God. You sense my excitement, but when you find out who you really are, you'll be excited too. In John chapter 20, verse 22, the Bible says he came to them and he breathed into them. Just like he did, glory to God. Mm. And said, receive the Holy Spirit. 
Just like he breathed into Adam in Genesis 2-7, he breathed into man again in John 20, 22. You see, the Holy Spirit couldn't be received because of the wineskins of the flesh could not hold him. When Jesus talked about the need for new wineskins, the new wineskins are your born-again spirit because the Spirit of God could never dwell in wineskins of sin. He, he, he could not, of course. But now our born-again spirit, glory to God, they're the wineskins, glory to God of grace that enable the spirit of the most high God, the creator of the universe, the third person of the Trinity, to be one with your spirit. 1 Corinthians 6, 17 says, He who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him, even through the new birth. For as many as received him, John 1, 12, he gave the right, the power, the authority, the awesome privilege to be called the children of the most high God. Wow, you say you're excited, I am. See, because I know who I am in Christ. So the Bible says that you're his literal child. The Bible says in John 17, 23, that Jesus Christ loves you. Who, the, the God Almighty, listen to me, God Almighty loves you as much as he loves his only begotten son, Jesus Christ. Now here's something. That, that you might, I, I don't know, it's going to blow you away. The Bible teaches us emphatically that you're no less a child of God than Jesus himself. Now I'm going to go further. The Bible teaches emphatically because of the exceeding grace of God, you being given the righteousness of Jesus Christ, that you are as righteous in your spirit and your born again spirit, that spirit that was breathed into Adam, Genesis 2 7, that was breathed in the apostles, John 20 22. And that miracle is repeated every time someone gets born again. The spirit of God, the Bible says that in the book of John, chapter 3, like a wind, he just comes. And in a moment's time, when you accept Christ, glory to God, he, he, the, the image of God, the DNA of God is placed in you. Your, your own nature, your evil nature is done away with glory. Glory to God. And now you become a new creation. 2 Corinthians 5.17. The righteousness of God. 2 Corinthians 5.22. Or 5.21. And now you are literally as righteous as Jesus Christ. You see, if you were not as righteous as Jesus, you could never go to heaven. Because see, it's not just your sins being, the punishment being taken. It's the evil nature being done away with. He who knew no sin became sin that you might become the righteousness of God in Christ. Someone says, I just thought that the blood covered my evil. That is absurdity and degrades in a profound way the sacrifice of Jesus. The blood of Jesus does not just cover you. The blood of Jesus destroys the works of the enemy. Every evil part of you that existed and replaces that evil with the very righteousness and the life of the living God making you a bonafide child of the living God. Woo! Jesus. And the Bible says accordingly, I, I, it's just amazing, praise God. That, that Romans 12, 3 says that the faith of Jesus Christ, that measure of faith is in your born again spirit. 
The love that caused God Almighty to send His only begotten Son. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever should believe in Him should not perish but have everlasting love. That same love, not a, 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 a little bit of that love, that very same love is in your born-again spirit. Wow. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8, Verse, oh, let's just read it. Let's look at Romans 8, 16, 17, that you are a joint heir with Jesus Christ. It means that everything that Jesus has, because he is the firstborn of many brethren, Jesus Christ is God Almighty. He is your God. But you know what? He's also your brother because you have the same DNA he has in the sense that his life has now become your life through the new birth. And see, as you enter into the reality of that in the context of who you are, that's when you can become who you are because faith is the substance of things hoped for. And if you don't have a hope of who you really are, you're never going to enter into faith that causes you to be who you are. It is amazing who you are. It is amazing who I am. If the church ever woke up and found out who they were, the sleeping giant would rule. I tell you what, we would enter into a place of glory, of dominion, of joy, of righteousness, of peace in the Holy Ghost that is beyond our wildest imaginations. Doing the works of God, John 14, 12, entering in from faith to faith and glory to glory. I mean the very image of Jesus are being in him, not because, not some being some little God in the context of, of it being independent of him, but because he is the vine and we are the branches, the very life of God that's in the vine goes to the branches, the very love, the faith, the wisdom, the strength, the, the willingness, the, the, the suffering, the context of paying a price for the gospel now is who we are. And, and oh, glory to God, even according to 1 John four seventeen, as he is in this world, so are we. I know this is strong. But you see, I'm teaching and preaching at the same time. A lot of times I'll just teach, but I always teach under proclamation, under power. You say, what do you mean? Well, Luke 9, 35 said that Jesus, the paradigm of Jesus in the context of ministry was he taught so you could enter into knowledge and understanding and then he proclaimed what he taught and then under power. What's the difference between teaching and preaching or proclamation? Teaching is to explain, amen? But, but, but when you enter into proclamation, that's to proclaim. When you enter into in preaching, it's, I tell you, it's accentuating, man, what you've entered into in the context of knowing and understanding and it translating into power in your life. Woo, glory to God. I'm teaching and preaching all at once because I'm excited about your identity in Christ. And Romans chapter 8, it, it, it's, I get, these verses are just amazing. It, it says in Romans 8.15, you've not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you've received the spirit of sonship where you cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we're the children of God. And in verse 17, it says, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ. If it be so, we suffer with him that we might be also glorified together. Meaning there's a price to pay. Glory to God. Not in the context of, of, of trying to warrant us being a joint heir, but simply, I mean, being immersed in Jesus. I mean, a joint heir with Christ. 
Man, I, I could give you a hundred things of what it means to, to be a child of God in the context of who you really are. Again, this is about the real you. The real you is somebody that's literally a child of Almighty God that cries Abba, that affects his heart in an amazing way, that can cause him to grieve, Ephesians 4.30, or really to enter into a place of exceeding joy, Zephaniah 3.17. It's a, it's a relationship of intimacy that is unparalleled in that the Father loves you as much as He loves Jesus. Jesus loves you as much as He loves the Father. The Holy Ghost loves you as much as He loves Jesus and the Father. It's a relationship of intimacy that's unparalleled, that's infinite in its reality. It's the core, the foundation of who you are. Oh, glory to God. Colossians 1.27 says the cross is in you through the Holy Ghost giving you the desire to experience the glory of the Father just like Jesus did. Wow! The Bible says this is the mystery of the gospel. Wow! How's that for vision? Someone says this is too much. Well, you know what's amazing? Uh, the, the word gospel literally means good news that is almost impossible to believe because of how good it is. Can I tell you, it's too good for your mind. That's the reason God gave you a spirit. So you can believe in the amazing goodness of God and the amazing reality of who you really are. Irregardless of your educational background, irregardless of that which you've experienced environmentally, irregardless of, of your family structure, irregardless of where you live. It's about who you are. Not where you are, but who you are. Now, I understand that devil tries to do everything he can to get you to believe that you're somebody else other than who you are. He even did this with Jesus. He said, if you are, if you are the son of God, they command these stones to be made bread. If you are the son of God, jump off the, the, you know, this building. You see, Jesus didn't have to do anything to prove himself. He knew who he was. And God wants you to know who you are, even according to the word of God. Yeah, the devil's going to try to get you to think you're just an animal that, that's progressed. Uh, you know, whether it's through evolution you know, in Romans 1, that, you know, it says that because they became unthankful, they became deceived and literally thought that they were like four-footed animals and then two-footed animals and that they were simply sophisticated animals. And you see, when your spirit's dead, you are a lot like an animal. You have a soul, emotions, mind, you know, personality, willpower. You know, if it feels good, do it. You have a soul that says if it feels good, do it, but not a spirit that tells you how to enter into real life. And of course, you have a body. I, I have a good friend. He's really uh, come unto faith. But prior to him to come into faith, he, he was a great evolutionist. I mean, that's all he stood for. He was a, a, a professor. And uh, 
one day I was at his house and I said, you know what? I said, where's your great, 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 great grandfather at on your mantle? Because, you know, he had pictures of his kids and his mom and dad. He said, what are you talking about? I said, are you ashamed of who you really are? I said, I expect a monkey or a gorilla to be on your mantle. He looked at me. He said, are you crazy? I said, I'm not crazy. Isn't that what you believe? He shook his head. But you know what? Isn't that truth? Sometimes the thing we believe, things we believe, they're just, they're just absurd. They're just absurd. Yeah, I was with a, another friend of mine. I, I live in a university community. Good man. I, I like him. We're good friends. And he uh, was raised in India, a devout Buddhist, and you know, believes in reincarnation. And so we were at the Dairy Queen, and I, I ordered two hamburgers. And I looked at him. I said, you know what? Because I'm trying to get him to see the absurdity of his belief. And I said, you know what? In reality, man, I could, man, you know, your aunt or uncle could have been a cow and I could be, man, and, and, is that right? He looked at me, he said, yeah. He said, I guess. I said, I guess. Is that true or not? He said, yeah. So, and I said, the more hamburgers I eat, the worse off I am. I might come back as a, a rat or something. He said, this is stop that. He just laughed. At, but, you know, but you're not an animal. The world wants to get you to think you're just an animal. That's evolved. I'm here to tell you something. You're made in the image of the living God. See, the world wants you to think you're an animal, so you act like an animal without guilt. So there's no conviction to them, and everybody just does their own thing because they can't control themselves, whether it's sexually, whether it's in what area of immorality. I know that's strong. I'm here to tell you something. You're not an animal. You're a child of the living God. Even as he is spirit, you're spirit. I, I, I tell you, someone says, I'm a victim of circumstances. And I, I, I was raised in a bad home. Man, my dad's in jail. My mom's a drug addict and a prostitute. I, I know it's hard. I, I, believe me, I, I deal with situations like this all the time with people. But I'm here to tell you, you're not a victim of circumstances. Because in those circumstances, like Rahab of old, who was a prostitute, God comes to you and says, see yourself as you really are. And accept Jesus and become the real you, ordained from the foundations of the world. Some people see themselves just as sex objects. I mean, there's women from little girls, they've been abused. The only thing they see themselves as sex objects, and even men. No, sex is a good thing. It is in the context of real intimacy in a marriage relationship. You're not just a sex object. Someone says, I'm a mistake. You know, I don't even know who, you know, my mom or dad is. I'm in a foster home. I'm a mistake. I'm going to tell you something. God doesn't make mistakes. The Bible says in Psalm 139, from the foundation of the world, he knew glory to God. Hallelujah, you are going to enter into the womb. He was going to be there with you in the womb. He was going to bring you forth from the womb. He was going to be your God. He was going to be your father. He was going to be your life. No, my friend, I'm here to tell you something. Man, I'm some of the greatest men and women of God that have ever walked the face of the earth have been people, glory to God, whether it's born out of wedlock or the devil says, you're a I'm here to tell you something. You are ordained unto the image of Jesus Christ. Mm. Some, some people say, you know, they believe in predestination. 
I call it the false uh, doctrine of predestination. Is a real God's predestined you to be conformed to the image of Jesus. I mean, there's people that teach. I, I mean, they're well. I guess they're well-meaning, and, and they say, they, "Well, God has chosen some people to be saved, and, and even if they don't want to be, and some people to go to hell, even if they do want to go to heaven." That is biblical absurdity. And then use scriptures like you know, Esau, Jacob, I love Esau, hated. That doesn't make sense. In the context when God says he loves everyone, a hundred different places, that, that was in the context of calling regarding outward appearance. Esau came not first. They judged by outward appearance. They were going to give him a position not ordained by God in his sovereignty because of outward appearance. Jesus literally rebuked uh, 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 the religious for this in John 7, 24. He said, you always judge by outward appearance. Just like that's why they chose Saul as king, because he was the tallest man. And God says, you don't judge like that. I judge by the heart. Now, they're, they're, they're deceptions. They're a misuse of Scripture. God has never ordained anyone anywhere at any time unto being second to anyone. That's a lie. It's, it's the father of all lies. And I receive a broken over your life if in any way that's been told to you in Jesus' name. So someone says, well, you know, you're a religious being. And through your own works, you can find favor with God and salvation. I'm here to tell you something. You're not a religious being. Religion focuses on icons. Religion focuses on statues. Religion focuses on things that will try to get you in your own strength to get favor with God. And here's what God says. He says in Galatians 2.21, anybody who thinks that they're going to enter into heaven because of their own works, it is a fearful thing to fall in the hands of an angry God. The thing that will make God angriest is you telling him that his son didn't have to die for you. And in essence, that's what you're saying. Yeah, I don't need him to die for me because I'm okay on my own. I go to church. I do this. I do these good deeds. And God's saying, your righteousness, the best you can do is filthy rags. That's not, you see, who you are. Romans chapter 7 and Romans chapter 8. I, I, I share on this all the time, but it bears repetition. Romans 7 is a description of the man under the law who's trying to enter in to doing right on his own strength. That which exemplifies this man the most is when the scripture says in Romans 7, the things that I want to do, I can't do. The things that God wants me to do, I can't do. But the things I don't want to do, I end up doing. Well, isn't that good news? No, you, so many people I think have been so discouraged by Romans 7, they never went on to Romans 8. The Bible says that the gospel is this, through the law of the spirit of life in the man Christ Jesus, you've been delivered from the law of sin and death, which the Romans 7, the man that Romans 7 depicts. 
and now you can do all things through Christ Jesus. Now you're free from the law because Jesus Christ has become a sin offering and now glory to God, he has destroyed the power of sin over you and because of the grace of God, the unmerited favor of God, you now have a born again nature like an under the son of God and you have the Holy Ghost in you to bring forth that nature. Hallelujah. It's a nature given unto you by grace. You don't deserve it. You never will deserve it. It's a gift of righteousness. That which Jesus sowed to as a man, the righteousness Jesus entered into as a man, John 132, the righteousness he entered into because of his holiness, his piety, glory to God, that which he obtained as a man and then consummated through becoming sin, a tasting of sin, the Bible says in Hebrews 2, becoming sin, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, 21, and then dying a death on the cross after being whipped 39 times. And now he's got this gift of righteousness, this gift of life and he's saying this is who you are see the Bible says in Romans 8 8 that when you're in the flesh you know referring to the Romans 7 men you can't please God you're an enemy of God but then it says but you're not in the flesh in Romans 8 9 but you're in the spirit because the Holy Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead is in you to laugh you to take hold of you and to infuse his life into you so it's you that not you who lives but Christ that lives Man, you got the DNA of God, but it's only through the Holy Spirit that this DNA become viable and become a reality through the power of infusion, according to Philippians 4.13, which says, I can do all things through Christ. I can do all things through Christ who infuses his life into me through the Spirit of God in me and to his life becoming my life. I, I went with a, a young man. Well, he was young then. This is a, a while ago. And now he's a lawyer in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We went on a campus, a, a very well-known Christian college. And we went into a guy's dorm and we had a little survey. And the, the crux of the survey was this. Uh, just how, how are you doing with God in, in, in the context of victory? And I'll be honest with you, you know, virtually every student, over 90%, said, you know what, we're not doing real well. And every one of those students quoted Romans 7. The things I want to do, I, I can't do. The things I don't want to do, I end up doing. You know, some of it was youthful lust, some of it was this and that. And we'd share with them. Did you ever read Romans 8? That the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is in you. What's he doing in you? Hitchhiking to ride through life? No, he's in you that caused you to enter into your true identity as a child of the living God. He, and the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is in you. And God Almighty through him will quicken your mortal bodies with the life of God, the resurrection power that raised Jesus up from the dead. So it's him living through you and not yourself. Wow. As long as you see yourself as a worm. You know, in Isaiah, the Bible says in your own strength, you're a worm. But I've made you a threshing machine. But, but people say, well, I'm just a worm. They, they, they take part of that verse into the religious spirit and, and just destroy everything Jesus died for. Someone says, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. That, that's, that sounds religious. It's not truth. You were a sinner. You've been saved by grace, the unmerited favor of God, the divine power of God. And now you're the righteousness of God in Christ. Say this with me right now. 
Say, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. Wow. Some of you, that might sound strange. I remember the first time I said this, I said, Father, I worship you. God Almighty, I confess, I declare that you are my Abba Father. You're my daddy. You're my Abba Father. And it sounded weird because it, it but that's what the scripture says in Galatians 4, 6 and Romans 8, 15. He's my God, but he's my literal father. Jesus being the firstborn of my many brethren. You see, if you're going to enter into true identity according to the word of God, you're going to have to break out of the box of religiosity. Instead of seeing yourself as a worm, you're going to have to see yourself as a saint. The, 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 the epistles weren't written to the worms at Thessalonica or the Colossae or Philippi. They are written to saints. You're going to have to see yourself as the power of the blood of Jesus has made you to be. Awesome in the sight of God. Awesome in His sight. Glory to Jesus. You have an amazing destiny. You're made to be blessed and not cursed. I mean, what father, what good father, and this is shared in Luke chapter 11 and Luke 13, would want any of his children to be cursed, to, to be, not be whole, to be sick, to be impoverished, to be enslaved to a familiar sin. Luke 11 says in verse 13 that if you then be evil, Talking and about the person that's not saved, but that's a father. Want good things for your children. What do you think I want for you? I'll give you everything that's available. I'll give you my image. I'll give you the spirit of God. <clears throat> Man. There was, I've shared this story in different, in different scenarios. But there's a man that lived about an hour and 15 minutes from me in Erie, Pennsylvania. I live a little less than an hour from Pittsburgh and about an hour and 15 minutes from Erie. And uh, his little girl needed a kidney to live. And uh, he's grossly overweight. I think he's around 360 pounds, 380 pounds. And he had to lose 150 pounds to become eligible. to. Give, he was a perfect match, but to be able to give her a kidney. And in, in uh, two months' time, the two and a half months, he, 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 he lost 150 pounds. And there's different TV stations from Pittsburgh up there. And one of the reporters said, was that difficult to do? And he looked at her like she was crazy. He said it was the easiest thing in the world. And he looked her right in the eye. And I don't know if this man was a Christian or not. But he said, if I had to give her both of my kidneys to my death, it would be the easiest thing I've ever done. What do you think that girl felt like when she heard that? That 11-year-old girl. She says, man. I'm a child. I'm an amazing dad. And I think I got his DNA. Man, what do you think she felt like? What should you feel like? When Father God says, you didn't just need a kidney. You needed the death of the only begotten Son of God. You not only needed him to die, you needed him to die horrendous death. His back ripped off. His face ripped off. When they plucked his beard. And he did it for you. Because you just didn't need a kidney. You needed a whole new being. 
How much are you worth? How much are you worth? How much is the blood of Jesus worth? Like that little girl could look up to her daddy in Erie. You more so can look up to your father in heaven and say, I am, I am infinitely valued. I am priceless. And you could say, man, I'm a, I must really be something in the eyes of God through grace. I've not only been given life, I've been given the very image of God. Oh, my goodness. There's so much, so much, so much. I, I, I tell you, there's so much left, but only 10 minutes left. I don't know where to go. Uh, you know, a, a little baby, you ever hear a belly laugh? I, you know, I, I was an only child. I never heard it. With our first child, we had four daughters. And it was like, well, I mean, they're just laughing. They're letting it go. <laughs> I mean, they're just laughing. And I told my wife, what is that? Well, she said, that's a belly laugh. That's how you're made to be. You're made to be free. You're made to believe a little child. You don't have to coax him into believe. He just believes. <sighs> There's a battle to distract, to negate the real you. And we're going to get into this. I understand you may experience pain and, and, and different things, wrong doctrines and harm, and maybe you harm somebody, and, and it's so hard to see yourself as you really are. But God's crying out to you. He's crying out to you right now. I died. So you could be the real you. Not somebody in fear of harm. Not somebody in fear of of hurting somebody, not somebody in fear of just being penalized by God looking to punish you. You're somebody that Jesus died, not just died for, but ever lives to intercede for you. So you can live a life that's amazingly abundant in full freedom from fear of harm. But most of all, with the desire that Jesus had to be intimate with the Father. To be intimate with the Father. Let me share two things as we close. Uh, one of the men that discipled me, one of the men that discipled me, his name is Mark Geppert. He's the director of Southeast Asian Prayer Center, a very large ministry based in uh, Singapore, or Indonesia, in, in uh, Singapore, Indonesia. And uh, I'll never forget, I just prayed for a woman, and a, a large tumor disappeared. It was on her pancreas, about the size of a small volleyball. And I was just going to share with them, you know, I was thankful for that. And I, I knew that the Lord used him to raise a man from the dead in Guatemala. John 14, 12 says, the works that Jesus did, you'll do also. Matthew 10, 7, 8 says, go preach the gospel, saying the kingdom of God has come. You know, heal the lepers, uh, raise the dead, cast out demons, you know. And uh, I said, tell me about it. And he, I, I shared this to, to show you his identity, that that's your identity. He said, I mean, I, I was in Guatemala. I found a kid that... Uh, could read, and he was going to share with the, with the village the Gospel of John. I went in, and, and, and his mom and sister said, can you pray for my dad? I went in the back room, prayed for a guy. He said, I, I, I prayed in other tongues, and I, and I said, I break the chains over you in Jesus' name. The man was sleeping. He rolled over. Their eyes got real big. I thought there was uh, 
tarantulas in the hot, in the hot to be honest with you. I took off because I don't like tarantulas. I come back about six weeks later. A doctor friend of mine flew me in with a helicopter. There are thousands of people there. And I'm saying, Who's there? who are these people there to see? The guy looked at me like I was nuts. He said, obviously, they're here to see you. He said, why are they here to see me? He said, because that guy you, you, you raised from the dead six weeks ago. He said, what guy did I raise from the dead? He said, in such and such a place, in such and such a hut. He said, that guy that was sleeping in the back room. He said, Mark, that guy had been dead for over two days. He fell off, he had an epileptic seizure, fell off a cliff. Now, they don't have funeral homes like we have in the United States. He's dressed up. They have him in the back room. It looked like he was sleeping. But you see, what I want you to understand, when Mark said, I break the chains, he was speaking. As the Bible says in 1 Peter 4.11, if a man speaks, let him speak as if God was speaking through him. Not you being God, but God speaking through you. And, and, and it was like the voice of God. It was like the Father heard that voice. Can I tell you something? The Father hears your voice just like he heard the voice of Jesus because Jesus has given you his voice. That's what 1 Peter 4.11 is about. See, when you enter into the identity, wow, of, of you being given the image of Jesus and the viability of that, it's just not a cliche, it's a reality. Your whole life will change. It's an amazing life. The devil will run from you rather than you running from him. It's a life of glory, joy unspeakable and full of glory. A life of helping people. A life of profound intimacy with the Father and the Son and with the Holy Spirit. Go with me to John 17, 26. I'll be honest with you. It's one of the, to me, I meditate on this verse every day. I mean, every day. You know, I'll tell you what, you know, when you, I have four daughters. Raise four daughters. And I'll tell you what, it didn't matter how many rooms in the house we had. It mattered how many mirrors that we had in the house. I mean, they'd go along and I mean, they'd stand in front of the mirror and rightly so and look at himself, fix their hair, whatever. I mean, and they'd say, wow, you know what? That's great. Can I tell you something? I, I, I can't, I can't go, I, I got this word. Someone says, why do you always have your Bible with you? I take it to the barber shop. I take it to the school board meeting. I, I take it everywhere I go. I say, well, first of all, I, I don't have it memorized. Second of all, it's so amazing that if I told you what was in it and didn't have it, you probably wouldn't believe me. But I, I, this is the mirror, man, of who God is. It's the mirror of who I am. I, I just got to look at it and say, whoa, who's that in the mirror? And God says, that's you in Christ Jesus. I said, wow. It's for real, man. John 17, 26. It's the power of the blood of Jesus. It's grace. It's not about you. It's about him loving you. This is the last really thing that Jesus prayed outside of the cross before he left the earth. It's the last thing he shared in the high priestly prayer of Jesus. John 14 and 17 is all one discourse. John 17 being the high priestly prayer of Jesus. Jesus says this, I have declared unto them thy name, Father, and I will declare it, so that the love wherewith thou hast loved me may be in them, and I in them. Listen to me, please. Jesus died. 
This is what he shared because this is why he was going to die. This is the reason he died. See, eternal life is not longevity of days. It's experience the love of the Father uh, through the amazing relationship between you and the Father. He says, Father, I want one thing. You love me in an amazing way. I mean, through your voice, your presence, your strength, your protection. I, I, I mean, you love me in an amazing way. And Father, I don't ask for them to be religious. I don't ask for them to be this. I, I will, Father, I want one thing. The way you loved me, the way you embraced me, the way you spoke to me, the way you looked at me, the way you, the, the way you, you, you went to bat for me, that you strengthened me, I, I, the way you loved me. I just ask that you would love them that just like you loved me so they might know who they are. So they might, that we might enter in to an intimacy of relationship that's amazing. Because when you've been loved by God, you can't help but enter into relationship with God. You can't help but give your life to Him because action, reaction. You love Him because He first loved you. He says, Father, they're so precious to me. They're so precious to you. They're so precious to the Spirit of God. They are ordained to experience the love that I did when I was a man on this earth 2,000 years ago. Father, one thing I want for them is for you to love them just like you loved me. My friend, that prayer is only for those who are literally children of the most high. That prayer is for you. It conveys who you are. It conveys destiny. It conveys an intimacy with God that is exceedingly greater than even our mind could ever even dream of. It not only causes you to see who you are, but gives you the confidence that God Almighty will bring forth the truth of who you are through experience the same love that Jesus experienced by him. Unto an intimacy with him that is exponential, that's infinite. You will be who you believe you are. And when you read the Bible, you find out who you are. My prayer is that nothing can negate, disannul the real you and the awesomeness of the real you, who you are in Christ. You would see as the real you and that you would never again be the same.